Uh, I have a number of Bible verses that we'll look at here before we get started in prayer. And if you, I'm going to have most of them on the overhead. You can follow with me. The first one is out of Colossians chapter 4, verse 2. Uh, what I'd like to pray about, and we'll read this passage in just a moment, what I'd like to pray for tonight specifically are, uh, I'd like to devote tonight to missionary-minded prayer. I want to prayer for mis- uh, pray for some of our missionaries that we work with directly, and I want to pray just for the mission, the mission of the gospel, and uh, people getting saved, and what I think God is calling us to do even as a church. So that's kind of our theme for tonight's time of prayer. I I know that while I was out of town, Rob Douglas shared with you on Sunday and, of course, spoke uh, on the subject of missions. So I thought tonight would be a good follow up for from that message to to really pray for missionaries. Now, probably one of the uh, the first and greatest missionaries of all was, of course, besides Jesus himself, he came on mission, didn't he? He came from heaven to earth. That was his missionary trip. But beyond that, uh, we see the apostles being sent out. And the apostle Paul, of course, one sent out to plant churches and really a, a, a missionary. And, you know, as you read through the letters that the, the apostle Paul wrote to the various churches, most of his writings are ministering to the churches. You don't see him writing about his financial needs. You don't see him talking so much about, you know, guy, I wish, uh, you know, you guys would help me in this area or this is a great need in our ministry. Mainly sowing, you know, uh, spiritual life into those churches. On occasion, he would share of his hardship. But not not to solicit sympathy or offering, but rather just to to share, you know, the testimony of God's faithfulness, even through his ministry life. But there is one thing that we do see him asking for on a fairly regular basis, and that is prayer. And so we want to look at a few of those verses here tonight. The first one's out of Colossians chapter four and verse two, where he says, continue, continue earnestly in prayer, being vigilant in it. With thanksgiving, meanwhile, praying also for us that God would open to us a door for the word to speak the mystery of Christ, for which I am also in chains, that I may make it manifest as I ought to speak, even while in prison, even while under custody of the Roman authorities, Paul asks for prayer that God would open a door. And that God would open a door for me to share the gospel, that I would be able to speak the word of God. And he says, continue earnestly in prayer, being vigilant in it with thanksgiving. Prayer takes vigilance, doesn't it? Prayer doesn't. It's not just the fun, easy thing to do uh, in Christian living. Prayer is kind of the labor of the work the, the, the uh, we have to kind of really task ourselves to it. But. But yet we see consistently through the word we are called to pray earnestly in prayer. Be vigilant with thanksgiving. And he says, don't forget to pray for us. Pray that, that God would open a door for the gospel. That means pray that God would create opportunities for me to share and preach the gospel. Pray that God would work in my circumstance so that, that in some way I would have opportunity to, to share even in greater way in greater measure, the ministry and message of the gospel. Pray for the resources that I might need in order to, to continue to be faithful in the ministry of ministering the gospel. This is what opening a door means. It, it means that God would create opportunities for the gospel. 
And this is what Paul desired for in prayer. The next verse I'd like you to look at is in Second Thessalonians chapter 3. Again, we'll have it on the overhead, verses 1 and 2. Finally, brethren, pray for us that the word of the Lord may run swiftly and be glorified just as it is with you and that we may be delivered from unreasonable and wicked men for not all have faith. Again, Paul in another letter to a different church asking for prayer. Uh, Pray for us. And here's his prayer that the word of God would continue to spread quickly, swiftly, and that it would be glorified just as it was in you, that it would bear fruit. He he asked the church, look, in the same way that, that I had opportunity to share the message of Jesus with you and it just, you know, hit your heart and, and bore fruit, was glorified in your life and is spread through your community and your church. Pray that God would continue to open up opportunities, that his word would spread and bear fruit. And he also asked for a prayer of protection for opposition. Pray, you know, that uh, we would be delivered from unreasonable and wicked men, for not all have faith. The gospel is resisted. Pray, because as we share, not everybody is, you know, welcoming the message with open arms. And this is going to be true in our life, too, isn't it? As we share the gospel, not everybody's going to be happy to hear it. Not everybody has faith. Not everybody is even wanting you to share the gospel. There will be some who will resist you to prevent you from sharing the gospel to someone else. They don't want anybody else to hear the gospel. Now, they don't know necessarily that that it's probably even a, a, a... a devilish type of scheme that it, that's being worked through their life. In their mind, they just think they're doing the right thing. But in fact, they are, as Paul says here, some are unreasonable and wicked because they do not share the faith. Paul asks for prayer. Pray that the word would run swiftly and be glorified. Pray that God would protect us from the opposing forces. The next uh, verse that I want you to look at is in Ephesians chapter 6. And this is not an exhaustive list, but just a sampling of the Apostle Paul soliciting prayer. And after this one, then we will, in fact, do some praying. Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 18. Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, being watchful to this end with all perseverance and supplication for all the saints... That covers it all, right? All prayer, uh, to, to, with all perseverance for all the saints and for me, verse 19, that utterance may be given to me that I may open my mouth boldly to make known the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains, that in it I may speak boldly as I ought to speak. Paul encouraging the church at Ephesus to be praying. Listen, you need to be uh, praying always with all prayer. You know, there are different types of prayer. There's thanksgiving prayer. There's intercessory prayer. There's just personal prayer. There's praying for the gospel, praying for, you know, your own needs and, and provision in your life, praying for others and loved ones. He says, listen, all prayer needs to be done in the spirit, being as God directs you in prayer, being watchful. That means being diligent, being careful with perseverance. Prayer takes perseverance, doesn't it? Because we don't just pray and things instantly happen. That's the idea of perseverance. You have to keep 
praying. You have to keep asking, keep seeking, keep knocking on heaven's door for God to work and move. Now, not because God is dull of hearing, not because, uh, you know, God is reluctant, but because God is trying to draw you and I into a dependence, into a faith, into a real pursuit in prayer, trying to develop our prayer uh, abilities, our prayer diligence. And he says, especially for me. And what he asks for here is that, that utterance may be given to me. Pray that God would give me the words to say. Pray that God would anoint my preaching. I don't want to just be out there telling people about Paul or just, you know, talking about my experiences, even my experiences about Jesus. I want my words to be anointed by God, that utterance would be given to me. I don't have it. I don't have the words to say. God has to give me the words. Pray, ask the Lord that he would give me the words to speak and that and when he does, that I would speak it boldly so that God would give me the words and then that God would give me the boldness to proclaim the words. You need both to preach the gospel. You need God to inspire the message to give you the words to speak. But sometimes you you know what to say. He's given you what to say, but you don't want to say it because you don't have the boldness. You don't have the courage. You're intimidated. Well, what if it's not received? What if they ask me a question? What if I don't know that, you know, all the things that create Fear. Paul said, listen, and Paul wrestled with the same things. You know, we read about Paul and we think he was just this bold lion out there. He was just a man, just like us. He had the same fears, the same worries. He got beat up, thrown into prison. Those things affected him. He says, I'm writing this now. I'm an ambassador in chains. I'm in prison. No wonder he would ask for boldness. Who wants to stay in prison? Who wants to stay, keep going through the ordeal of persecution? Pray that God would give me the words and then pray that God would give me the boldness to speak the words because there's a price, there's a cost, there is a, there is oftentimes a, a response from others when I preach this mystery of Christ. These five things standing out to me in these passages that we've looked at, and these are the five things that I want to pray over tonight for some of the missionaries that we actually have relationship with. That God would open doors for the gospel. I don't know how well you can read that, but I try to get it all up there. That the gospel would spread quickly and bear much fruit. That we would pray for protection from oppression and resistance to missionary work. That we would pray for God-inspired preaching, that we would pray for boldness in preaching. So these five things that seem to be, for me, identified in these verses that we looked at. And these are the things that I would like to pray for tonight as a church for these missionaries that I have listed. Now, we have had some other mission trips. There have been other ministries that we are connected with and work with. But these are the ones that are on my heart tonight. Most of them we work directly with. And in some we work in, uh, indirectly, but I'm in, I believe that in time the Lord will, will work even more directly. Let me, let me identify those and then I'm going to have in, different individuals come up and lead us in prayer. They don't know who they are yet, but I hope they're ready to pray. All right, a couple more passages that I would like to look at here tonight and then we'll close in one more time of group prayer and uh, some worship. Again, I'll have these for you on the overhead. 
and praying for these missionaries. And, and now I'd like to speak to you just a little bit about the mission, the mission of the gospel and, and a passage that's been really, really kind of ringing in my own heart, one that we recently looked at on Sunday morning out of Matthew chapter nine. You remember this. We looked at it just a couple of weeks ago. Um, Jesus speaking, but when he saw the when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion for them because they were weary and scattered like sheep having no shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest truly is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. So the heart of Christ, having compassion for the multitude, the, the lost, those that were like sheep, having no shepherd, people living weary and scattered in confusion and his own heart wanting to see them brought into the kingdom, brought into relationship with him, the good shepherd. And he shares this out loud with his disciples, you know. The harvest is plentiful. The laborers are few. Pray the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. Now, he says this to his disciples. Who do you think are going to be the laborers that are going to get sent out into that harvest? His disciples. It's almost as if he's inviting them to pray, but also to recognize that God is going to be I'm going to be sending you. Here's why. Because look, guys, look at the fields. Pray that God will send out laborers and it will be just but a a short time when he himself will send these men that are praying for the laborers. They're going to become the laborers. And that's what I want to sow into our hearts here tonight as well. It's it's not just we're praying for missionaries. Those are the laborers out in the fields. But we are also living in fields ripe for harvest. And we need to pray for laborers in, in these fields. So guess, guess who those laborers are going to be? In the case of the disciples, God, Jesus said, hey, pray for laborers. Okay, let's pray for laborers. Guess who the laborers are? You guys. And so I think it's true in our lives, too. God is, is calling us to pray, but he's also opening our eyes to a harvest that is plentiful. The, the last passage I'll, I'll look at with you tonight is out of John chapter 4. Similar theme, this idea of Jesus talking about a harvest. In John 4 and verse 34, Jesus said to them, this is right after he had ministered to the woman at the well, the Samaritan woman at the well. They had left him there while they went to get food. They come back with food. He's not hungry. He's just had this wonderful ministry of witnessing to the Samaritan woman. And so he's no longer hungry. And they say, you know, here's the food. And he said to them, my food is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. Do you not say there are still four months and then comes the harvest? Behold, I say to you, lift up your eyes and look at the fields, for they are already white for harvest. And he who reaps receives wages and gathers fruit for eternal life. Think of the work of this harvest. Think of the reward of this harvest. It has eternal consequences that both he who sows and he who reaps may rejoice together. For in this the saying is true, one sows and another reaps. I sent you to reap that for which you have not labored. Others have labored and you have entered into their labors. Jesus says some interesting things here in John. First, he says, my food is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. 
This is what sustains me. This is what nourishes my soul. This is where my life is really fulfilled and finds meaning and purpose. Doing the will of him who sent me. And I am committed to finish it. This is this is what beat in the heart of Jesus. Not, you know, the material things. They, they came and brought material food. And he said, look, that, of course, he did eat and he had to eat and he did sustain his body physically. But he's saying, look, that, right now, that is not what's on my mind. Lunch is not what I'm thinking about right now. What I'm thinking about is the work that God has called me to do. I've just had this opportunity to speak and share words of life to this lost woman at the well, which is going to turn into an opportunity to evangelize the whole community. And Jesus is excited because he realizes that's why he's there. And it would be after that work, he would now he would finish that work. He did fulfill the work that God sent him to do. And at the cross, what did he say? It is finished. And after finishing the work that God sent him to do, what did he do after the resurrection? Go, therefore, he sent his disciples. You now go. I've done my work. I did what God sent me to do. I came. I preached the kingdom. I bore the sins of the world on the cross. My work was to come and pay the price for the sins of the world. My work was to lay down my life on the cross for your sins. Now my work is finished. You therefore go and tell of this news. Go make disciples. Go declare the finished work that I have accomplished at the cross for you and for all that you will tell. He now sends them out and commissions them. But he says something else here. Uh, Back here in John. The harvest is plentiful. You know, he says, you know, you say there are still four months, then comes the harvest. You know, in a normal agricultural cycle, you plant and then you wait. Harvest is months away. But Jesus is trying to get his disciples to see that, you know what, when it, as far as this harvest goes, the harvest of sharing the good news of the gospel, the fields are already white for harvest. In other words, now is the time to minister the truth of the gospel. Don't say, well, four months from now, harvest will be good, you know, when harvest time comes. Well, eventually, I I do want to witness to that guy at work. Maybe someday I will invite uh, one of my, you know, co-workers, my friends, family to church. Maybe next Easter they'll come, you know, and we kind of in four months there'll be a harvest. Jesus said, look, the fields are already white for harvest. Now is the time to labor. Now is the time to look for a harvest. And the emphasis is really on bringing in the harvest. Uh, I've sent you out. Now go. But notice what he says. Lift up your eyes and look at the fields. They are already white for harvest. He's, he's actually kind of saying, look, guys, open your eyes. You're out getting lunch. I'm here ministering to this woman and you're wondering who gave him food. How come he's not hungry? Open up your eyes to what's going on spiritually. You're not just here to do the day to day. You are here doing the day to day on mission 
to minister at an eternal level the fields of, that are ripe for harvest. And he said that the work that is done in that field, you gather fruit for eternal life. The harvest is plentiful. We need to pray for the laborers. We need to recognize that you and I are the laborers. We need to pray for a harvest. Now lift up your eyes and look at the fields. I want us to close in prayer tonight. And I'm going to ask you to stand with me. Uh, We're going to close with some worship. We're going to have the worship team come back. But I want us to spend a little time praying uh, in small groups uh, for the harvest.